It's B. It's been a while, but I'm still your host, and this is still Be Mused, a storytelling project and podcast. And today, I've got a story for you. Have you ever heard an old person reminisce about who they were in their heyday? How is it that everybody's dad used to be the man when he walked through? Honestly, somebody's dad had to be a loser. Why don't we ever hear from that guy? Isn't it so convenient, honestly, how exceptional each of us tends to be in the self-reported memories we tell of our past, despite how unimpressive we might be in current day? Except for you, dear listener. I'm sure that you had the best ball handle in all of seventh grade and that you only lost the 50-yard dash in kindergarten because you got sand in your eye. I know you were every bit as talented as you claim to have been and that you were in fact a delight to be around even through your teenage years, no matter what your parents remember. You are as exceptional as you recall. Now that we can agree to that, I simply request that we apply the same benefit for every ounce of doubt to my recollection of the following memory, as we would with your own. In the spring of 2006, in the middle of the track and field season, I was the man when I walked through, except that I was a woman. I was one of a few people on my school's pole vaulting team, and we were a pretty big deal, at least to us and our parents. Exaggeration aside, though, the other people on my pole vaulting team were the most brilliant and supportive people I have ever known. We had solid chemistry, shared videos of old Russian Olympians vaulting over impossible heights, critiqued each other's form, and rooted for one another from the sidelines, always. At track meets, we would carry our poles as a team across every parking lot and football field, decked out in matching t-shirts that read, Getting High, My Anti-Drug. If I had to choose a time in my life that I'd relive, it would no doubt be this one. Actually, if you haven't ever seen a pole vault in action, pause this story, Google a video of Olympics pole vault, and take it all in. I'm completely serious. Pause this. I'll wait for you. See what I mean? Incredible, right? Anyway, back to my junior year. Early in the season, I received tons of support and positive pressure from my coach, Dickens, who stressed the importance of conditioning, conditioning, and more conditioning. He thought that with a little strength training, I could go far that season. I was pretty hopeful that I was going to achieve my goal of advancing to the state championship because my biggest competition from the year prior was a senior girl from another school who had since graduated. So I was now one of only a handful of girls left competing at my level. The pole vault requires a few critical skills. And while you could get by with having only some, in order to excel, you must perfect it all. Elite pole vaulters have upper body strength, quick speed, powerful legs, high vertical, AKA they can jump, and little fear holding them back. At the time, I could run fast, jump high, and had zero fear, which is why when I wasn't pole vaulting, I was high jumping, 
another field event that took place on the other end of the track. I didn't have the upper body strength or the powerful legs, but getting by on my speed, vertical, and a lot of heart, I climbed my way to higher and higher personal records in both events with each week that passed. By mid-season, I had surpassed a personal record of mine, nine feet, and had even cleared nine foot six inches, unofficially, in practice. During the next meet, as I expected, I cleared nine foot six inches and placed in first, leaving all the more optimistic as we neared the end of the season. Meet after meet, as the season progressed, my team prepared for districts because the top people from districts would advance to the county meet and the top people from that meet would go on to the Mecca. State championships. A few of us on the team were favored to advance all the way to states. By mid-season, I was performing well. My school's yearbook even decided to create a quick step-by-step tutorial on how to pole vault and asked if they could photograph some action shots of me during our upcoming district meet. I agreed, of course. Life was good. A week before districts, as if I wasn't already walking around on an endorphin high, my dad bought me my very first car. It wasn't new by anyone's definition of the word, but it was mine, and I could not have been happier. That week, I drove my car to track practice and met up with my coach and teammates. With a strong tailwind at my back in perfect South Florida weather, I cleared 10 feet at practice. Unofficially, but beating my personal record. Now, personal records don't count while at practice, but they do matter because pole vaulting is 60% mental. As long as I could visualize myself clearing a particular height, I knew I had overcome over half the battle. However, later at practice, while vaulting with my teammates, one of our guys ran towards the pit at full speed, pole in hand, and something went wrong. Within minutes, the pole had ricocheted, hit him in the face, and he was lying on the ground with a broken nose. There was blood everywhere, and it was probably the most horrifying visual I'd ever seen. It somewhat dampened the mood at practice, but pole vaulters, they're kind of a crazy breed of people. Within days, he returned to practice with a face mask on. Of course, taking it easy, but still, I was so inspired. The day of the district meet came and we were beyond ready. When we arrived, a yearbook student with a camera around her neck approached me, introduced herself, and reminded me that she would be taking pictures before retreating back behind the fence to watch from a safe distance. Soon after, I spotted my dad, who never missed a track meet, also standing behind the fence and waiting for my event to begin. I stretched with my team, then I laced up my track spikes. I was ready. Because I was also competing in the high jump, I had to run back and forth across the football field between the high jump and pole vault areas to complete jumps. The bars in each event were raised and would not come back down if you missed your turn. I was doing fairly well in both, running back and forth when the pole vault got to about nine feet. 
The other girls in the competition started dropping like flies until only me and one other was left, competing for the first place position. Either way, the top three of us were still advancing to the county meet the week after, so we could all kind of breathe easily and just have fun. On my turn, I successfully cleared nine feet and then the bar was raised. Although we were from rival schools, the pole vaulting community is small enough that we were all kind of friends. Therefore, I knew that my opponent and I both had personal records officially of around nine foot six and had both cleared 10 feet unofficially during practice. When the bar was raised to nine foot six, it took us both a few attempts, but we both successfully cleared it. The officials started raising the bar to 10 feet. So while that was happening, I ran back across the track to the high jump to complete another turn before returning to the vault off for first place. My opponent missed her first attempt at 10 feet. And then I was up for my first attempt. Standing near a marker I had taped to the floor earlier, I slowly raised the end of my pole into the air. Powering forward at full speed, I felt my metal cleats digging into the rubber runway and springing me forward with each step that I took. Mentally, I knew that I could clear 10 feet because I had done it at practice. But I suppose there's something different about doing it in front of a crowd, especially when that crowd includes your dad and someone from your school's yearbook. Somewhere between my running start and landing, I had knocked the bar down and landed on the mat. I missed the jump, so we would both get a second attempt. This is where things get hazy. I wish I could tell you whether or not my opponent cleared the height, but I really can't remember. I only recall talking with my teammates on the bench as we were inspecting the nose of the guy who'd broken it at practice, his two black eyes that were finally recovering, and face mask when I announced to the group that I had never broken a bone. Our conversation was cut short as the official was calling my name and I was up for my second attempt at 10 feet, my personal record. Standing near the tape I had marked the floor with earlier, I took a deep breath and slowly raised the end of my pole into the air. Powering forward at full speed, I felt my cleats gripping the rubber runway and springing me forward with each step that I took. I knew that I could clear 10 feet because I had done it at practice. And this time, unlike the prior, I planted my pole powerfully and thrust my hips up and into the air. Kicking my legs over my head and over the 10 foot bar mark, I only remember that on my way down, my right leg hit the mat first and then the metal spikes of my left shoe made contact with my right fibula, snapping it in half. I landed to the sound of a crack. Blood was everywhere. Things were a blur. And someone in the crowd had thrown a pair of sweatpants that my coach was using to apply pressure. <laughs> Believe me when I tell you, adrenaline is one hell of a drug. Because the only thing I remember asking my coach was whether or not I would be able to attend the county meet the week after. He avoided eye contact and didn't answer because he didn't have to. We both knew. Sometimes when I tell this story, I come to this sobering conclusion about how pride comes before the fall and leaves you with an aftertaste of humble pie. 
Other times, I laugh about how my dad, who is petrified of broken bones and blood, stayed behind the fence until I told my coach that my parent was standing only a few feet away and had not come forward. Still, this story is not one of how younger me ended up in a thigh-high cast just a week after getting her first car, or how I spiraled into a depression while stuck on my couch for almost an entire summer. It would be, because those things are truth, except that the story doesn't end there. It took me a year to recover fully, and even now, my right knee is not nearly as strong as my left. Nine months after the incident, when I finally received clearing from my doctor, I was out on the field, with a pole in hand, ready to give it another shot. It took the entire season to get back to where I had been, with fear being the biggest thing holding me back at times. But I made it to districts again that year, and then to counties, and eventually placed third at States. I've been watching the Netflix documentary, Abstract, which tells stories of incredible makers in the design field, and I recently saw an episode about a guy named Tinker, who started out as a pole vaulter. You know, the type to tell you that he could have made it to the pros had it not been for X, Y, or Z injury. And while I completely believe him, just as I believe the story that I tell myself about my own pole vaulting career prospects, the more fascinating thing about the documentary is who he became in spite of a really unfortunate circumstance. Tinker Hatfield's track coach at the time went on to found a little company called Nike. And because Tinker's dreams of heading to the Olympics were dashed, he instead became a designer at this small sneaker company. And eventually, the mastermind designer behind the iconic movement that was Air Jordan. His story obviously resonates, given my own personal letdown over a decade ago. But also, because in the absence of being a middle-of-the-pack pole vaulter, Tinker instead became a legend. I am still figuring out who I am becoming in spite of my dashed pole vaulting dreams. But I can tell you from experience that this life I live the past, present, and future of it is rigged. All of it. And it's in my favor. Over the past few weeks, overwhelmed with life and everything that comes along with it, I pushed this very, very special project aside. And surprisingly, quite a few of you reached out in love and aggressively told me about myself. I needed that. This project has been my attempt at putting things into the world before they're cooked all the way through. And you have saved me from my own paralysis. I cannot thank you enough for that kick. Special thanks to you demanding people for the chili pepper, to Coach Dickens for the time, and my amazing teammates for the rosemary-infused memories. Here on Be Mused, each episode is an invitation to see the world from a perspective other than your own which is, in fact, a gift. Whether you choose to indulge while on the job, pair it with your favorite ice brew on your morning commute, or fall asleep to the sounds of my ramblings, I just ask that you do so responsibly, always with a friend. And thank you, listener, for lending me your ear. <laughs>